Welcome to Sudbury Scrub, a 40k podcast for the Sudbury community. So, I am going to keep talking about these different, um, some of the things that you want to be prepared for, for the next, for this next upcoming tournament in Sudbury. And since I can't seem to take the time to read the missions, I still wanted to put down an episode talk about something interesting. Now, there's a topic I've been wanting to chat about for a while, having to do with stats and 40k, but statistics can honestly be pretty dry, and unless you're at, and I've also kind of, over time, I've just been learning to get a feel on it so much so that I don't really do a whole lot of calculations anymore on it, because I just kind of look at it and just say, oh, yeah, that's good, or oh, yeah, that's, that's not so good. And, you know, you do kind of get around that uh, while playing. However, that did kind of make me think about some things in the game that surprise you. Because once you get into that mode where you just kind of look at things, you just go, okay, I kind of know how powerful that is or isn't. Uh, that also leaves you open to getting surprised. It could be a surprise in your favor. It could be a surprise at your detriment. Um, so that is going to be today's topic, are things that are surprisingly strong and things that are surprisingly weak in 40k. Um, also applies, you know, for a lot of your opponents. Most people don't have the time to really stats, stats hammer out, um, all the capabilities of their stuff plus all their opponent's stuff. At most, they'll have their own stuff really kind of figured out. They'll know... This is roughly how much I can expect from this. this. Is roughly how much I can expect from that. Really good players do already have things in mind for the top things. I once ran into Devin Swan in a match, and he knew exactly how many attacks I would need to make with uh, with my Gene Stealer cult in order to statistically kill off his drones. And it's like, holy jeez, did you just calculate that off the top of your head? And it was like, no, I, uh, it's just that I've, I've practiced this match a lot, and that's a number I need to know. So, I look out for that number. And that was really smart. Uh, I don't have the same kind of time that Devin Swan has, and I doubt anybody in Sudbury does. But that kind of gives you an idea that if you, when, when you really get into the game, you kind of figure out these certain numbers. Anyway, so let's continue on with these ideas. So, first of all, I kind of want to go over the list of things that are surprisingly strong in 40k. So things that you, you know, they may be things that you already know are strong, but until you really face it, you don't really realize just how potent uh, these things can be. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is overwatching on 5-up as opposed to overwatching on six ups. And it, it doesn't really sound like a lot, right? I mean, it sounds like, okay, they're going from snapshots, which is kind of a colloquial term back from 7th edition that was 6th and 7th edition that applied to uh, things that only ever hit on sixes, uh, to five ups. Okay, so they're upgrading to orc shooting. Ha ha ha, orcs are terrible shots. There's no way that this is going to deal a lot of damage to me. And then they shoot, and it's like, oh my god, that, that, they dealt a lot of damage to me. What happened? And what you don't really realize is that 
um, going from a 6-up to a 5-up will double the number of shots that hit on Overwatch. Because um, you go from a 1 in 6 chance to a 1 in 3 chance. That's, that's double the chances. And if you combine that with, say, a full reroll, like from a chapter master, um, statistically, you're looking at slightly more than half of the shots hitting. And that's, that's a lot. Suddenly you're going to, you know, when half the shots hit, you're going to almost as much as, you know, straight up ballistic skill with no modifiers, right? For, for some opponents. Um, so like space brains have a three up. Um, a, a tank commander. Here's a great example. Tank commander shoots on overwatch and does defensive gunners, so hits on five ups. And because it's chaos coming in, Vengeance for Cadia, which is the most broken stratagem in the game, and I will say it time and time again, because it's one command point for total and full rerolls against anything chaos, which is a huge amount of units. Totally, totally fair. But anyway, um, that's full rerolls. And now suddenly, um, it's like it's getting a whole extra shooting phase, because it really is. It's hitting with, statistically, slightly more than half of its shots. It's huge, huge amount of, of firepower. Way different than a sixth of the shots hitting. Way, 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 way different. Uh, and But that goes for everything. So, I mean, this is the reason why a lot of Tau have gone with the Tau Sept, is because on Overwatch, that 5-up compared to the 6-up is double the amount of damage on Overwatch. And you're already kind of scared of the Tau Overwatch because of how many other shots that they can pull in from the greater good. Um, it, so it's a big deal. Uh, when, when you see that fight, when you hear somebody's overwatching on five up, uh, you know, ring a little bell in your head that every time that you go to charge that you are going to be taking twice as much damage from overwatch as whatever you normally would expect. If you're expect, if you would normally say, oh, they might kill three guys with this overwatch, they are probably going to kill six guys with the overwatch when it goes to five up. It, so, it, you know, that's a, that's a big difference. Uh, next thing, feel no pain of any kind on multi-wound models. Now, this may be less and less surprising now because more and more people are fighting um, Primaris Marines of the Iron Hands variety. Even with a six up feel no pain, you will feel this pain so badly. Um, most, and it's most obvious when it's, you know, you're shooting straight two damage shots on them. Because normally uh, every wound and failed armor save from the Space Marines in that situation would be uh, a dead Primaris Marine, right? Well, as soon as you have Feel No Pain added into that mix, then every six up Feel No Pain is like you're saving two models, not just one. Because first of all, the model doesn't die to the shot that hit it, all right? So that's saving one model. But then it takes up the next shot to kill it, unless that one's a double six, right? But that next shot is now pretty much wasted as well. That's guaranteed. So that's that's four wounds effectively saved with one six up 
on the dice. That's that's massive. That is a ginormous amount of uh, saved damage. And that's just from a six-up feel no pain. And when it's a five-up feel no pain, like you, that, you'll feel that even more, right? That happens uh, will happen even more often that you get that you will see that change. And when you have a whole squad of multi-wound models that have a feel no pain, you realize just uh, how effective it is at totally curbing um, the power of multi-damage weapons against that unit. I see the same thing happen with my hive guard for the Tyranids or for the Aberrants with the Gene Stealer Cult, where somebody hits them. Gene Stealer Cult, it, it's the Aberrants are, this is what makes them tough. People think of these guys as tough. They're not tough. They are really easy to kill. But the, as soon as you hit them with the high damage stuff, it, it's total, they, become, they seem to be complete damage sponges. And it's because of this effect. First off, all the damage being dealt to them is reduced by one, which is like a free, freely passed feel no pain save right there. And then they get the five up feel no pain, which can be improved to four up and can have a real roll ones with it as well. So again, it can be a, a that can be very difficult to fight through. Um, and with that, the you know if somebody shoots at them and, and they have these. Well, they shoot, somebody shoots star cannons at them, right? Because what else are you going to shoot star cannons at with uh, your Eldar? Okay, well, I'll get through too. They have two wounds each, right? Well, guess what? Now, one of those star cannons failed to kill one because it passed one of its feel no pain saves. Now it takes at least another star cannon hit to get through. And if they actually have the four up in, uh, feel no pain with the reroll once, there's a chance that that guy just passes both of those saves, and now there's another star cannon hit that needs to get through. It, 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 the amount of damage that you are just scraping off from getting through the rest of your mouth. Because remember, it, every shot, can, uh, every weapon, every weapon shot, no matter how much damage it, de it deals, can only kill one model. So uh, that's you know that can really stack up very very quickly. So that's something to really consider. Um, knights against Aberrants. This is actually makes Aberrants against really tough against Knights because the stomps from their feet deal two damage. And the Aberrants reduce it by one and then they get to feel no pain on it. Uh, the Knight hits them with the sword. Well, that's a lot fewer attacks. And, you know, that, that adds up. It adds up quickly. Uh, plus one to wound. I, I'm singling this one out over the plus one to hit because I think the plus one to wound just is that much more surprising because it opens up a whole new range of things that you can um, engage with a unit. And I, I think this is really because of that same kind of thing. It, it's At its heart, it's the same kind of thing as going from the six up overwatch to the five up overwatch. Um, is that the the amount more that you can get out of a unit is uh, truly stunning. Where if you're going from wounding on fives to wounding on fours, um, there's a big climb. Going from wounding on sixes to wounding on fives, again, is doubling the average amount of damage that you're going to deal with that unit. 
Um, going from threes to twos, again, is, is a big deal because your failure case is much lower. Suddenly you can trust kind of everything to get through. Um, but yeah, you know, that it just it allows you to engage a whole new class of targets that you normally really couldn't. Um, another great example of this, I would say, would be uh, Noise Marines. Noise Marines uh, with Veterans of the Long War, which gives the plus one uh, to wound, which is a very powerful, potent stratagem that, again, one command point for something this huge is kind of cheap. Um, which the real limit on this stratagem is just how many times can you actually use it the turn? Uh, because you won't use it every, all the time. All the time, all the time, all the time. It is it is that good. Um, but yeah, Noise Marines, their guns are strength 5. So against big stuff that you're normally wounding on 5s, now you can wound on 4s. So this being strength 5 means that they can now target... Um, they do target knights and vehicles and stuff like that just as effectively as they hit, you know, bikes. Um, going with that plus one to wound, going on a four up, means a lot of saves have to start being made, right? And with some of the bigger damage weapons that they have that are already, you know, the Blastmaster being strength eight, for it to go from a four up to wound to a three up, or from a three up to a two up, is significant. Um, but then, even that, going against smaller guys, going from a 3-up to wound on them to a 2-up, is again, it piles on a whole bunch more extra saves that have to be made, because there's just um, that many more that just don't fail. Uh, let's see. You know the next one I have here. Oh! Extra attacks. Alright. Um, when Primaris Marines first came out, they had two attacks per model. And they weren't really taken, but I'll tell you this. When they were taken, and somebody kind of didn't give them the respect that the model deserved, you would kind of pay for it. You'd be like, oh my god, those guys, they, they, they hit back hard. What the heck happened? What was that, that extra attack that each model had? And now... We live in a world with Angels of Death, and they hit back with three attacks each. Plus, you can bump that up to four attacks with a nearby banner, plus an extra attack per guy with another relic. like Stuff like that, right? It's where now each guy is getting five attacks per model, and it's like, where the heck did that come from? Like, how did these guys hit so hard? And the trick I find on this isn't on the um, charging in and swinging, which is still quite good. The The big trick on it is that these are guys that you're thinking, uh, oh, they're not that good at fighting. Um, but then they swing back. And you, get, you fail to kill all of them because, again, they're two wound models and they had a six up feel no pain and suddenly, oh, well, you didn't kill as many as I thought I would. Um, and they hit back suddenly really hard. And that's simply because of that uh, damage output being multiplied, right? Going from two attacks per guy to four means they are going to be killing twice the number of guys that you normally would expect. Uh, and if you're expecting them to react, like a lot of us through the edition have really just played against basic marines where they got one attack per, you became 
really complacent with, oh, how much damage are these Marines really going to do on the, when they hit back? Oh, they killed three guys. You know, my Gene Steelers. They, they struck back, they hit, they killed three of them. That's not a big deal. Oh, these are some Primaris guys? Oh, they're Space Marines, right? Oh, okay. Well, I'll just, you know, just attack them and kill them. Oh, I, I didn't really kill them. Oh, they struck, swung back. And first of all, there's more of them remaining than I expected. And then they're also swinging back with four attacks per guy compared to what I was used to before one. Now they're killing, let's say they even get the same amount of attacks as before, right? Or not the same amount of attacks, same, um, um, you know, generally we'll say kind of the same attacks, kind of like it's sort of not the same attacks, but kind of roughly around the same number of guys remaining in the squad as before somehow even though that probably isn't the case Heck, yeah well we'll say that doesn't even case let's say that you know there's um effectively twice as many even if it was single models like there's twice as many guys remaining as before so they're hitting back uh and they have four attacks each because they got enough a banner nearby that's giving them an extra attack uh they are now dealing eight times what you were expecting you know, they could kill the squad back just in, in their return punches. So that that's it really is a big deal just how much these things can pile on. Mortal wounds on sixes to wound. This is an interesting one because it can be really good. It can also be pretty weak um, because when it doesn't trigger you don't really do much. Your unit suddenly swings really low. But when it does trigger, you suddenly swing really high. And I find that's really interesting for sniping out certain guys. And this literally is for snipers, right? Um, maybe it's just my opponents, <laughs> but I find when they bring scouts to snipers, I am terrified because even though I know statistically they shouldn't do much, they always seem to do a lot. <laughs> And, and it's because of this effect, it's because of this effect, where every time they get a six, they push through another damage. No save, right? It's just, it's gone through. And that fact that it just, it just gets through is a big deal. You know, Dark Eldar have some that's on stuff with some of their close combat guys, where they'll do mortal wounds on sixes. Uh, Chaos has a whole build around the Chain Lord. Of getting mortal wounds off on sixes. The trick for these guys isn't so much that you go hunting for the big stuff with them, but rather you go for the little stuff that you might kill, but this just pushes through that damage and now they are definitely dead. Um, you know, though these are your character hunting tools, those mortal wounds on sixes. Just really makes it happen. Uh, lastly, having of movement speed. Now, my opponents haven't really done this to me much. Uh, despite one of them having a bunch of Thunderfire cannons and whirlwinds, he never, ever, ever popped the stratagem off. And I think uh, he's he's going to regret that one day when he realizes how good this stratagem is. Uh, because having somebody's movement is uh, is a big deal. Uh, you d and it's really hard to really quantify that when you're looking on the board. It's like, well, I'm not killing anything else. Is it worth me, especially specifically with that tremor shell stratagem where I think you get minus one to your wound rolls and you think, okay, well, is it really worth me taking, killing less stuff in order to have their movement? And the answer is absolutely yes. Um, because whilst you may not kill as many things, 
if you target a unit, uh, the right unit with it, you completely remove that unit from consideration until your next turn. Um, this was something of a strategy more in previous editions of the game, where there was a vehicle damage table, and uh, one of the results was vehicle shaken. And in that result, your vehicle couldn't move or shoot the next turn. And if you got that result on the vehicle damage table, you stopped shooting at that vehicle. Because you just went to the next vehicle, unless that vehicle had some way to ignore Shaken or reduce it, you know, and stuff like that. You just went to the next vehicle, and you targeted that vehicle. Because now, this vehicle wasn't doing anything for a turn. Even if it was just stunned, where it just, I think it just couldn't move, it could still shoot. If you're outside of its weapons range, who cares that it can't shoot? Or that it could still shoot, because if you're outside the range, it's not moving, it can't shoot. Uh, that's the same thing here, and in 8th edition, losing a turn is more of a problem than ever. So if you have something that's at the edge of its range, and you, you know, or it's not at the edge, but I mean, in order to shoot back, it'll need to move. You stop it from moving, or you have its movement, that unit can't move any. Oh, great target! Um, the, especially nowadays, with Tyranids using it all the time. The Exocrine. The Exocrine's only got 36 inch range, and it needs line of sight. A lot of time, the whole reason that the Exocrine now is people are saying is good is because of one command point stratagem that allows it to move and shoot as if it didn't move. Well, if you, its movement's only six inches. You have its movement to three, um, that gun that effectively becomes 42 inch range is now down to 39. And when you're staring across at the start of the game and they're likely not really in range of the stuff that you wanted because you deployed knowing that range, suddenly, boop. It's now moving half. Sorry. It, it's just not, it's just not getting there. You know, things of that nature. Having somebody's movement. So with in mind, keeping your keep you have to keep in mind your opponent's movement values and their range. And but if you do that, then this stratagem is this ability to have somebody's movement can become really good. I don't really care for it too much on the Zinch psychic power, because the range of the power is so short that and the power is so hard to get off, Doombolt. Um, I think it's Warp Charge 9 or 8 or something. Like, it's hard. It is not an easy power to get off. Um, and with it being that, that shorter range, it's harder to utilize. But it can be really good, because you can stop somebody from getting onto an objective, or they have to advance to get onto that objective, and again, then they're not shooting. You can really hamper an, an, an opponent's uh, capability to strike you back simply because of that. All right, I'm gonna cut this off right here for now. We'll start up again in a moment um, as I drive on back. So we'll talk to you more then. Welcome to Sudbury Scrub, part two of the surprisingly strong, surprisingly weak episode. Well, I did a whole other recording and it disappeared when I went to add music to the first one. <laughs> I guess this the program doesn't like it doing it that way. But so let's re redo it, and maybe I'll find something new to say, and hopefully it goes as well as that one because I thought it went pretty well. Alas, it is forever lost in bits of zeros and ones. Anyway, so we had covered the different um, abilities that I think are found to be surprisingly strong abilities that you think, oh, you know, this isn't really going to do too much, and then. Holy wow, these things actually pack quite a bit of punch. Um, 
then there's the flip side. Things that I think people generally have in mind as saying, oh wow, isn't that strong? Isn't this going to do really well for me? And then kind of discover afterwards that, oh, it, it didn't work really as well as I was hoping it would. So number one on surprisingly weak would be having a two-up save and then either having a five-up invul or not having any invulnerable save at all. Uh, I think a lot of people think that, man, I have this incredibly great save and it's just going to get me through everything. Um, the classic examples for this are the uh, Bulgrins with the slab shields and then you get them in cover, you take cover with them and you have a psychic power on them that increases their armor as well. So now they're, they have a zero up save, <laughs> which is, uh, or yeah, yeah, put them in, yeah, they have a two up save, put them in cover, it's a one up, have the take cover stratagem, which is zero up, and then have the armor boosting psychic power, and it's a negative one up save. And you think, yeah, these guys, nothing's hurting them. And then suddenly somebody comes in with something that's, you know, AP minus four. Uh, which in that case actually still would leave you with a three up save, which is pretty, pretty crazy, pretty nuts. Uh, but you know, or it's Necron player and they have like, well, this gun has a negative six, has minus six AP. So your negative one is now a, a, a five up save, right? Um, and it's just kind of like, oh, and then your unit dies anyways, despite all the crazy things that you did to boost them up to, uh, obscene levels. Um, I, there are things in the game that I call AP ridiculous. I just, at that point, it just kind of, if it's AP 5 or higher, it's AP ridiculous. At that point, the AP doesn't matter because there's almost nothing in the game outside the one thing I just said that can even bring you up to anywhere close to that. Most of the time, it's going to be something like that. They have a slab shield, and you think, well, these guys are really tough. And, or, and you do something else, like the take cover shot, one up save, and you think that's really great. And they hit you with minus four, and it's now, um, and that's now a 5-up save, right? Which is, an, which is just a 5-up invul, which you would get if even if you just had the Brute Shield, which is the other option available to you, and it's kind of like, well, why did I even bother? Either you're thinking to yourself, why did I bother taking the Brute Shield on these guys? Or you think to yourself, why I bother taking the Slab Shield on this either, right? Um, you know, it just, it just makes it kind of like, oh, shoot, like, why did I even try to do something like this? Um, and I think that's because it's just not as strong as you're thinking it's going to be. You're, there's a lot of things in the game that can mitigate a whole lot of armor to the point where having your um, invulnerable save that comes along with that ends up being that save that you take anyways. Like It's like, okay, well, I've been reduced enough. I'm now at my invul save, but... I'm not at, now at my invul save, I can't go any further, but it doesn't matter, they don't have any more AP, or it does have more AP, so I guess, yeah, it's stopped by the by that, but not by a whole heck of a lot. Turbinators really suffer from this, uh, where you get hit with something that's AP minus 3, and you're down to a 5-up invul, and you're just, you know, okay, there we go. Well, guess what? I was at minus 3. I'm From a 2-up, I would be at a 5-up anyways. I didn't need to have the invul. It matters, 
you know, when you get hit with those AP minus four weapons from Heldar and stuff like that. But even then, a five up invul doesn't really take you that far. A lot of guys are going to end up dying. Some won't, and that feels really good for those that don't. But uh, you'd be in the same kind of situation most of the time regardless. So it just doesn't feel as strong as you think it's going to be. Uh, next up, any smite beyond your third smite. So, in the game, uh, the the original game, there was no limitation on smites, so there was a bit of a smite fest that was happening for a while, and that was really not good. Um, one, the way that they balanced it, and it was a very, it was a smart way, was to make it that every time you cast smite, the difficulty of the next smite increases by one, uh, and then to a maximum of difficulty ten or eleven, I should say. So that way you could always get off your super smites. Um, and if you did get off, it would be a super smite. But by that difficulty just climbing and climbing and climbing, uh, it pretty much made it really, really show. Oh my god, what that guy did? Just total U-turn up a ramp. Okay. Um, oof, back to the topic. So, a, uh, it gets progressively more difficult. So, after the first smite is, uh, difficulty 5, the second one's difficulty 6, and the third one's difficulty 7. Uh, at, a, at a 7 on 2d6, that's statistically likely to happen. After a 7 on 2d6, you are... A, after 7, so at 8, 9, higher, um, you're statistically unlikely to get it off. And you need a lot of... You need plus 1s, you need re-rolls, you need lots of stuff to kind of really start helping you at that point. You'll see that a lot of the best psychic powers in the game that people talk about are difficulty 6. And that reason is because 6 is pretty easy to get off consistently. Because um, you're not even looking at the 7, you're looking at have 1 lower than 7. And if you have plus 1 to your roll or something, it makes it like a 5, really. That's really easy to roll. Um, and especially with a re-roll or something like that in your pocket. So, for that reason, yeah, you, you want to try to um, make it that you're only doing smites out to three smites in a row. After your third smite, it's really, really, really hard to get the smite off. You can. You can spike it, and you can do great, because, hey, it'll be a super smite if you get it off, but it just starts becoming very unlikely, and you can't really count on it to happen. Um, so for that reason, if somebody goes and they try to make a smite spamming list, and they're not... Thousand Suns or Grey Knights, who they get to ignore that increase in difficulty of the Smites over time, um, you're really not going to worry about any Smite after that third one. In fact, even in those first three, it is statistically likely that your opponent is going to fail one of those. Uh, so even then, you're really just looking at two Smites. Pretty much, regardless of how many Smiters you see on the field, they you know you should be able to guarantee. Uh, you should be able to look at that and say, okay, they're getting off two. Now, what angles are those smites going to come from? You're not 100% sure, because out of those first three, it's, you know, it'd be slightly different angles, but if it's all from that general same angle, you know, you can count on them getting two. They may get off a third, depending on how many more smiters they have. They're very unlikely to get more than three smites off. So anything after that, you may think, oh, wow, look at how many guys I have that can smite. Yeah, you really do. You really don't. What you have is 
smite consistency over the game, where once your smiters start dying, you can start putting out more of them. Uh, drop pods. Oh man. <laughs> drop pods are... They're, they're good for a very specific thing, but outside of that, they are bad. Um, being able to bring things down turn one is good. No question about it. Turn one, ma turn one drops matter a lot. Um, as is, you know, you can wait around. You can you can drop them in later, right? I think they did change that wording on it, though. I think it still has to come in by turn three. Anyways, point is, you can bring in things turn one. Uh, and that's good for your grab devs and stuff like that. Gain them just into that ideal position, and they can't be hurt until they're down. That's good. However, you, uh, you're you not paying for that for free. And the drop pods themselves can give your opponent a lot of power on the battlefield as to where to move and what to do. Uh, and the reason for that is that drop pods have no attacks back and have no movement. So what you can do is if your opponent drops, puts a drop pod in your deployment zone somewhere, um, take a small but large, sorry, take a, a, a large squad of weak dudes and move in such a way that you're going to get a guaranteed charge off on the drop pod, but also have that unit strung out to be close to a bunch of other objectives. So a big long line of these dudes if you can. And then you charge the drop pod and you get stuck in with it. And you use that charge range to just spread yourself even further onto these different objectives. Uh, really, you should end up with something like six plus 2d6 inch range. So like any objective that's within 13 inches of that unit from when the drop pod came down, um, you should grab. It should be pretty easy for you to grab. And depending on how you get strung out and stuff like that, uh, you may even be able to get to more of them through uh, pile, in, pile in and consolidate in unique ways. Um, and yeah, so now this unit can't be hurt because the drop pod can't make any attacks. Can't be shot at because your opponent can't shoot at them because they are in close combat with your valuable drop pod. Ooh, don't want to hurt that. <laughs> and your unit is so your unit is now immune to your opponent uh, to all their to all their shooting. They'll have to come into you and charge you in order to take that unit off of the uh, off of whatever objectives you strung them out to, and that now gives your the rest of your units free reign to be wherever they want need to be for for the game. It is uh, incredibly powerful. If your opponent puts their drop pod midway up the field. You laugh and you laugh, especially if you're a close combat army, because now this drop pod uh, gives you a leapfrog into your opponent, because you'll be able to move up towards it, charge, and again, use that charge range to get as far forward as you can, and just be like, all right, I'm going to take the drop pod with some guys. Um, you just put your guys around in such a way that you're going to only destroy it on your turn. Maybe you just make it that, like a bunch of your guys are close to it, and only, but only one is within an inch of it. And then you just make basic close combat attacks with them. And then on your opponent's fight phase, now you pile into it and get all of your attacks and kill it. it just, it's destroyed, and now you can move on from there 
without having been shot at either. So you get the additional movement towards it, and you get protection from their shooting the next turn. Um, huge, huge advantage. Uh, let's see. Pistols. Um, pistols are kind of weird. Generally, pistols are not very good to use. And the reason is that the ranges of pistols are, are really, really, really short. So you're only really going to use them um, as you're moving into your opponent, which at that range, you're probably going in with something. Most units that have good pistols, like strong shot pistols, are good close combat units. In which case, you kind of want to be careful not to kill things that you're trying to charge so that you don't end up making the charge distance longer for yourself and thus get stuck um, failing a charge, which really sucks. You don't want to do that. So the only people that tend to have uh, good pistols are the Dark Eldar and the Harlequins because they've got blasters and they have blasters and fusion pistols. Um, fusion pistols for Harlequin, blasters for Dark Eldar. And they're fast enough that they can get really, really close and still have a very good chance at a charge. And they will likely have a re-roll on the charge as well um, due to something. So they they will still get there, even with killing things up close. So, that, you know, it's... They, they have good pistols. Uh, Gene Stiller Cult have hand flamers. And their pistols, sure. But, again, they're not using them like a normal pistol. They're deep striking outside of three inches of you, and then they shoot them. So the fact is that they're just deep striking within outside of three inches of you. Any gun at that range is now in range, and it just happens to be that these are pistols rather than a whole bunch of flamers. Uh, so these are a little bit weaker. So that was actually very wise on GW to make them six-inch range, and that was the only way you were going to make it work. You know, so, like, it's some of these ideas, some of these concepts. Um... And when they get charged, again, being six inch range, they're probably not even overwatching. Uh, and some of these other things, you know, you get charged, you have a pistol shot, boom, but it only hits on a six. So, I mean, a lot of these pistols just aren't good. It's very unlikely that you're going to be stuck in close combat during your turn that you'll get to shoot the pistol. Uh, the only times that that happens because you would stay in close combat anyways because you're hoping to kill them in close combat. And that's also because with the pistol and being one shot usually, you're not banking on that shot killing your opponent and, and killing them in close combat anyways. In fact, chances are, if you are in a close combat that you don't want to be in, you were probably already dead before uh, it even got back to your turn and you're stuck in there. Or you just left combat, you know? And if you leave combat, you're not shooting anyways. So, uh, generally, yeah, pistols just aren't really worth it. And whenever you have a chance to, to you know, take them out right now, and replace them with something else, you should probably do it. Like, you just should. Power swords and lightning claws. So here's a funny... This is a funny one. This is a little odd. Um, power swords and lightning claws are AP minus 3. And lightning claws give you reroll on the wound roll. Uh, which sounds good. You'll notice that they're very inexpensive options. Or at least the power sword is. Um, and I think it's because it used to be in times past that this power sword was really kind of special to use, 
in that it just straight up ignored armor and you get a number of attacks with it in close combat um, and things had very few wounds so it didn't take a lot to take something down so having a power sword versus not having a power sword was kind of a big deal however now a lot of models have a lot more wounds and AP minus 3 often doesn't take away all of your opponent's armor you know if they have a two-up save, they're back to a five-up, which would be their invulnerable save anyways, <laughs> you know, um, or they have their, their three-up save, they go to six-up, which they can spontaneously just end up passing, uh, or they end up having two wounds per guy anyways. So on a squad sergeant, a power sword just doesn't really seem to really cut it. You're, you don't end up getting a whole lot of extra utility or use out of that AP from the weapon. So it doesn't really do a whole heck of a lot. Um, if you had a whole squad with power weapons, then that's somewhat of a different story. That is a different story. Um, but again, you, you have to kind of consider what, who are you killing with this? Um, really, really tough guys won't care because they have a really good and vulnerable save anyways. And so you might as well have gone with a power axe or something that would increase your chance to actually wound them. Or you would want something that deals multiple damage so that any wounds that do get through hurt harder, hurt more. Um, it just doesn't really pan out the way that you want. And lightning claws especially. Where, yeah, you get to reroll the two-wound roll. Okay. But again... You know how you're more you're pretty limited often on your number of attacks with power claws uh, not power claws lightning claws and they don't really deal enough damage just one damage per attack and so it doesn't really get through and this is the big problem with park and world claimer is he has five attacks or something like that maybe six with because of, of uh, uh, hatred assault or whatever it's called um, a lot of characters have five wounds, four or five wounds, so it doesn't take a lot for him to fail to kill somebody, especially if they have an invulnerable save of any kind, because they pass two of those saves against a lot of other opponents, they would just be dead because the multiple damage would stack up and they just now, oh, I, I failed two of my four of my five saves, now I take six damage, whereas, or uh, I, fa I fail fail three of my five saves, I take six damage, because it's two damage per. Um, whereas with this, oh, I fail three of my five saves, oh, I've got a wound left. I'm still alive. Like, it's just, it, the amount of damage behind them just isn't very much. So they can cut through armor, and a whole unit of them, with a whole unit with power weapons, will cut through a whole other unit of guys that are, you know, basic guys. But are you really just are you will, really wanting to take something like this against just basic guys, or are you just going to drown them out with bolters or something? Anyways, I think it's going to be the former. Lastly, and this one may get me some flack: the banner of the Emperor Ascendant. Personally, I don't think it's there. It's very good. Um, I think there's some people that are really going to be surprised by me saying that, but. Consistently, I have seen it... It used to be that it really dealt a lot more damage. And part of that was because it was on a 3-up, as opposed to now being on a 4-up. 
that is a big part of it. So only half your guys that are in range of, and remember it's the models, not the units in range. Um, only half your guys are going to be affected by it. And then also, um, you, you, your opponent, if they're wise, can just kind of look at the unit that is going to be affected by it, that they want to kill, and just make sure that their good stuff, their stuff that that unit wants to shoot at and kill, just isn't in range or isn't visible of your stuff. And that's it. it. It's really not actually that difficult because your opponent is already locked into a certain spot. You will get your movement. Even if they shoot back, they can't move from their current location. And they all the units in the Space Marine Codex that are really going to be affected by this, that are very likely to be affected by this, require line of sight. It's unlikely that you're going to be killing the Thunderfire Cannons uh, from a range with it. And even if you do, the fire, Thunderfire Cannon only has half chance of being able to shoot back. Now that obviously will hurt if it hits back like that. Um, but yeah, really that's it. You know, they're unit help blasters or Centurion aggressors or whatever. Um, if the stuff that they want to kill isn't in range, then it doesn't matter if the if he passes a four up or not, right? Uh, you know, the Centurion aggressors are, you know, maybe they'll be able to shoot back their heavy bolters with a 36 inch range, but if you're further away than that, or you're not in line of sight of them, or, you know, the things that they want to shoot at aren't really within range, they're shooting at something that's a very suboptimal target, and it doesn't really matter too much that they maybe get to shoot when they die. So, uh, for that reason, I honestly don't think it's that great of a relic. No, you know, when it was on a 3-up, it was a little bit harder to... Uh, well, first of all, I mean, same, the, main, the main core of the problem was still there, and I think people just weren't used to how um, shooting worked. Or how that banner worked, just how effective it could be. So... They didn't really know how to handle it. I think now, after time, we're all kind of a little bit better, and we know that we can just kind of get around it like that. So we're a little bit wise to it now. So now I just don't think it's quite as good as before. Yeah. <laughs> Disagree with me? Glad to chat with you about it. Actually, did, I, I would love to hear from you about what other uh, rules in the game, what other effects in the game you find are surprisingly strong, things that people don't think are that strong, that really suddenly uh, top things out, or things that are surprisingly weak, things that you think, hey, this is going to go far for me. I'm going to get a lot of uh, a lot of mileage out of this, and then you consistently use it, and it just doesn't really get there. Uh, two other ones, I guess, I want to cover on that, just on the surprisingly strong side that I didn't before. Um, really, really, really quick. First of all, uh, anything that you, any ability where you can't target the unit unless you kill something closer. Really powerful, and I, it's even still surprised me, especially with things that are the stratagems where it's like, okay, you can't shoot this unit behind it until you kill this unit in front. You can stack those with other effects and abilities that make it really, really hard to kill the unit in front, and then the unit behind is just pretty much safe. So that that's really, really good. Uh, and then also anything that has a four-up invul, that's also followed up by a feel-no-pain behind it, such as shield drones. You do not realize just how incredibly potent they are at shrugging off wounds. The math on it works out something like a third of, uh, two-thirds of all 
uh, shots on them are just automatically wasted because of, of how powerful this is. So just imagine that one third of everything that you want to do to them just doesn't work. And it, it's just, it's so surprising. Every time you think you have enough shots to take care of them, you don't. So thank you again for listening. Uh, Subbury Scrub, logging off. Keep on wargaming.